Like I said, this morning is the 10th commandment in our series on the 10 commandments of love. I've been amazed as we've gone through this mini-series in the wider book of Romans, just how relevant these commands are. Over the past couple of months, there have been countless conversations that I've had with people, countless counseling situations uh, where there's interpersonal conflict, where I am, as I listen, I'm convinced that one of these 10 commandments is exactly what's needed in that situation. God has given us this 12th chapter of Romans and this section that we've entitled the 10 commandments of love to help every single one of our interpersonal relationships be as much of a blessing as possible. And whether it's a marriage relationship, a grandparent, grandchild relationship, relationship in extended family, neighborhood, workplace, school, wherever those relationships may be, I'm convinced that these 10 commandments, if we were to put these into practice, they would bear untold fruit. And let me encourage you that whatever relationship you are in right now in which you think there might be an opportunity for more blessing or there's some sort of stressful or difficult thing, go through these 10 commandments and ask the Lord to show you which one he's guiding you to to begin to put in practice in that relationship. Let me review the 10 commandments that we've seen so far uh, before we get to our 10th this morning. Number one, we began with the commandment, be sincere. Nothing destroys relationships more than hypocrisy. And for you and I to be genuine in who we are, what we believe, transparent in our faults, as well as in our successes, is a blessing in every relationship. Number two, be devoted to one another in love. In other words, put others' interests above your own. That when you and I choose to serve others and to be devoted to their well-being, that promotes our relationships and our love for one another. Number three, be zealous in serving the Lord. And although that looks like a command that is between us and God, it's really also about us with one another that as we're zealous in serving our one heavenly Father, it draws us closer to others who are interested in serving this same heavenly Father. Number four, be joyful in hope. Life is full of suffering and difficulties and trials, but God has promised that the future he has planned for us is far greater than anything we could ever ask for or imagine. And if you're a person who's able to focus on the future that God has promised instead of grumbling and complaining about the difficulties of the present, that will be a blessing and encouragement to everyone around you. Number five, be patient in affliction. We want to rush in and try to fix things, fix problems in our own lives, fix problems in others' lives. We want to rush in and try to make all the suffering and difficulty in life go away. That actually harms our relationships with others. But if in the midst of difficulty and suffering we can be patient, that will be an encouragement to others as well as uh, to ourselves. Number six, be faithful in prayer. There is simply no more important work that we can do than to pray. And when we commit ourselves to pray for one another, 
it brings absolute blessing. If you're going to do nothing else, think of that one relationship in your life that you wish was stronger and better and simply commit yourself to pray for that person every day. I promise you it will make a difference. Number seven, be generous and hospitable. When you and I open up our lives and share our possessions, our time, our energy, our talents with others, we are inviting them into our lives and it forges strong, beautiful community. Number eight, be peaceful. Or do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In every relationship, every relationship, Evil, sin, destruction will always try to make inroads. If you and I are people who respond to that sin and that evil with blessing, it will actually strengthen the relationship. Number nine, be empathetic. Do not sit by apathetically while others around us are rejoicing or while they're suffering. Engage. Enter into the emotions that are going on in the people around us. Join with them in their rejoicing. Join with them in their suffering. And this morning we get to look at the 10th commandment. It's the commandment, be humble. I'll ask that you take a Bible and please turn to the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, there should be a Bible in front of you, in the seat in front of you if you need one. In those Bibles, it's page 920. Romans chapter 12, we're going to look at verse 16. As we're getting ready to read this verse, let me remind you that pride and humility have really been one of the major themes through the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1 identified the basic sin, the root of all sin, as being pride. In many ways, the whole book of Romans is about pride and humility, about submitting ourselves to God and allowing God to be God and for us not to take control uh, of what's going on in this world and in our lives and to think of God more than we think of ourselves. The idea here is the reason why this is the 10th commandment is the idea of pride and humility undergird all the rest of the commandments. That this idea that we would do all the previous nine in an attitude of humility gives the rest of the commandments their strength and their power. Look with me in verse 16. Paul says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Now in English, the three commands that are in this verse, it's not as clear that they are related to one another as it is in Greek. Now the English translation that you have better translates what's going on in the Greek than what I'm about to show you. But I'm going to give you a very sort of wooden, literal translation of this verse to try to demonstrate the connection between these three commands. Can we have that verse? 
You could translate verse 16 very woodenly and very literally and very awkwardly. Think, and it's the Greek word phroneo, think the same toward one another. Do not think, same word, proudly. Do not consider your own thinking, phronimos, which is a related word, wise. In other words, these three commands all go together. We have the first command, which is the overarching command for all of them. It says, live in harmony with one another. But as I just showed you, literally it means think the same towards everyone. In other words, this is the anti-racism, anti-sexism, anti-ageism, anti-nationalism, anti-elitism, anti-whatever-other-ism you want to put there, command. It's the idea that when we engage with people, we ought to engage with them the way that God engages with them, which is absolutely the same without regard to socioeconomic class, ethnicity, nationality, background, those sorts of things, to treat every person equally. That's what this command is. Think the same towards all people not taking into account beauty and intelligence and power and popularity and money and any other kind of thing. Treat each person equally. In the book of James, God gives us a very clear example of what this can look like in a very practical way. James writes, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting, meaning church, wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a man in poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? That's what Paul's saying in that first commandment. Live in harmony with one another means don't show favoritism. Don't treat one person better and another person worse on the basis of socioeconomic class, on the basis of race, on the basis of popularity or intelligence, on the basis of any of those things. Now listen, I understand that there are also commands in the Bible that talk about there have to be some differentiation if you have someone who claims to be a Christian but is living in sin. We're not talking about those kinds of situations. We're simply talking about a situation where you or I encounter any other person. And the point is, treat people equally. Treat them the same. Think the same way towards everyone. Don't be swayed by external things like popularity or ethnicity or race or age or beauty or any of those things. So, for example, 
if you're a student in school and one of the more popular kids sends you a text and you respond right away and the less popular kid sends you a text and you choose to pretend to ignore that text, that's not living in harmony with one another. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying, treat everyone the same. If you're the kind of person who responds quickly to texts, respond quickly to whoever sends you a text, regardless of whether they're popular or not popular. Another example. When I was younger, I was on an advisory board for the University of Michigan's mechanical engineering department. One of the other people on that board was a man named Ken, and at that time, Ken was the president of one of the divisions at Ford Motor Company. And I remember I was very young, I was new out of engineering school, and I sort of watched these people who were rather successful in the business world. And one thing I noticed about Ken was that he went out of his way to be kind to and serve all of the administrative assistants in the mechanical engineering department at Michigan. It was so noticeable that one day I asked him, wow, you really, uh, you really go out of your way to pay attention to them, to be kind to them. And he said this to me, and I have not forgotten it. He says, in this world, let me give you a piece of advice. Treat those who have power as if they don't, and those who don't have power as if they do. Now, I don't know if Ken is a Christian, But there seems to be something of this command in there instead of, listen, in the business world, people are always running after those with power and money and influence. And God is saying, don't be like that. Treat everyone the same. And the idea is be willing to serve all people from the person who's the lowest person in the company to the person who's the highest person in the company. That's the overarching command. Treat everyone, regardless of nationality, regardless of race, regardless of whether they're a special needs person or not, regardless of their age, regardless of their background. Treat each person the same. Think the same towards all people. Do not show favoritism. That first command is then backed up by the second command. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. And what Paul is identifying is when you and I play favorites, when you and I discriminate amongst people on the basis of things like age or beauty or intelligence or money or power or race or any of those kinds of things, we're doing it out of pride. I love what 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says. For what makes you different from anyone else? So thinking about differentiating or discriminating or treating different people differently, Paul says, well, hey, wait a second. What makes you different? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you didn't? Did you choose your skin color? Did you choose your family of origin? Did you choose your level of intelligence? Did you choose your business success? And I said, now hold on, wait a second. I was with you on the skin color. But the business success, I worked hard. Or I made good choices. I chose not to sin. 
I chose to do the right thing. Good. Who gave you the ability to do that? Who gave you the energy to do that? Who taught you from his word how to do that? Who put people in your life that mentored you and encouraged you to act that way? Whatever it is that you want to say is special or unique about you, the point is it's come to you as a gift from God. And that when you and I think that we are where we are or we are who we are because of the decisions that we've made, it makes us arrogant. And we caused, uh, causes us to discriminate against others who didn't make the same choices we did. And instead of seeing all of us as being recipients of differing blessings from God, we see ourselves as having worked harder or made better choices or being putting ourselves in a better position. And then what do we do? We favor those who made the same choices we made. We favor those whose lives look like our lives. We favor those who worked hard in school because we worked hard in school. Whatever it may be. But God says, think about it. What do you have that makes you different from anyone else? It all came from my hand. And it was meant so that you could bless others, not so you could discriminate against them. That second command is then bolstered one more time by the third command. So the overall command, engage with each person equally. Don't play favorites. The second command, realize that everything we have comes from God and stop being arrogant about what it is that makes us different. The third command, do not be conceited. Now what this command is saying is it's literally saying, do not be wise in your own eyes. It's an allusion to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. And the idea is, is that when you and I determine that the way we have lived our lives is best, that causes us to discriminate against others who have not made that same choice. We look at our own lives and we say, I chose not to engage in all sorts of different kinds of sins. I chose not to uh, follow after things of this world. I chose to be a person who worked hard. I chose to try to make myself into a friendly person. The problem is, is that when we use ourselves as the standard, this is what someone ought to look like. It causes us to discriminate against others. When we think of ourselves as being punctual people, when we think of ourselves as being hardworking people, when we think of ourselves as being uh, fair-minded people, when we are the standard that we use to evaluate others, we will discriminate against them on the basis of the things that we value. And God's saying you have to treat everyone equally, the punctual and the late. 
You have to treat everyone the same. Now look, we know that when we play favorites, it destroys relationships. Think about a family situation where parents favor one child over another. Perhaps one of your children has more of your personality. Perhaps one of your children is really good in school. Perhaps one of your children is living out your athletic success. Perhaps one of your children is just more fun to be around or whatever it may be. When parents choose a favorite child, what does that do to the relationships within the family? Does it not destroy them? God's saying that's true in every relationship. If people are aware that you view them differently because they were abused as a child or because they're older or because they have special needs or because they're from another country or because their skin color is a certain way or because they don't have much money, if people perceive you to be a person who runs after the rich or the powerful or the beautiful or the people who are just like you, it will destroy those relationships. Everyone else will feel feel like second-class citizens in your life. So what's the opposite attitude? What's the opposite to favoritism? Well, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul gives us very similar commands as to what we have in Romans 12. He says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, In other words, by thinking about everybody similarly, having the same love being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. That you can hear the 10th commandment echoed in that passage, as well as some of the other commandments from Romans 12. Paul is saying, This is the kind of attitude and mindset you're supposed to have. How? By considering the example of Jesus. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Now, the thing that's really interesting to me about this example, about the example of Jesus, Jesus, who is in very nature God, is categorically different than you and I. He is very God of very God. He's different than we are. Yet he humbled himself and treats us as equals. He chose to be born to an unwed mother. He chose to be born into a life of poverty. 
He chose to be born as a Jewish man in slavery in the Roman Empire. He chose to be born as a carpenter. He chose to be born in the midst of a working class profession. He chose to be born and to grow up in a situation where he experienced mocking and persecution and suffering. The amazing thing is Jesus, who is categorically different than us, does not engage with us as if he's different than us. We, who are all equal, sinners before a holy God, we get on our high horse and we arrogantly discriminate amongst one another. And the example of Jesus is, is that although he had the right to do that, he chose not to do that. Instead, as the passage goes on, being found in appearance as a man, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 